It's time for Mind Body Health with our host, Dr. Marvin Trotter. Good morning, Eddie. Um, welcome, listeners. I think this is a show that everybody can get something out of. I think it's um, a problem that everybody has at one time or another. And fortunately, we have Dr. Jill Bueller, um, Buller, um, sorry. Um, and she's going to be discussing lifestyle intervention for depression. And this is a non-pharmacological show. Uh, she's uh, done this in therapy before she started a residency program this month at, in Ukiah at UVMC. And so I'm just going to start out with Dr. Jill, and she's going to tell you exactly how to pronounce her last name. <laughs> Dr. Buller. Thanks for having me, Dr. Trotter. So Dr. Buller, um, you're a new resident. You're a Loma Linda graduate. How did you get to Mendocino County? So um, when I was applying for residencies, I was very excited when I learned of this residency that it's new, that it um, really wants to be involved in the community. Um, and I just was really excited about all the things that they were um, aiming for and the quality of training that I could get here. Very good. Um, it is a diverse uh, residency training. And you were saying that family practice was sort of made for you. Yeah, so I am, I'm one of those people who maybe likes everything a little too much. I, there's not, not something in medicine that doesn't interest me. I like pediatrics. I like OB. Um, I really like that you see the whole family. And, um, yeah, so naturally family medicine was the area for me. Well, I don't know if the listeners realize it, but family medicine is – uh, and primary care, internal medicine, et cetera, is what we're in dire need of, especially in rural areas. Uh, we could absorb probably um, 50 different primary care docs in Northern California, and the Adventists are working hard to have this excellent uh, family medicine residency program, which lasts three years after you finish medical school. And I remember my residency quite distinctively and dr jill is going to or she just started her residency here july the first yeah we just got started so i'm very excited to be here um so we're going to start on uh her talk today about lifestyle intervention so give us a definition of what you're going to talk about so we're going to talk about lifestyle interventions for depression so that is things that you could do at home that don't require you to go get a prescription from your doctor um I would like to start out by defining depression a little bit because I know that a lot of people may not necessarily know what that is or recognize it in themselves. I know I, when I was first learning about depression, I had a hard time even knowing exactly what that meant or what it looked like. So there are some standard ways to define it, but I'd like to just throw out a couple of things. Um, and usually, you know, by our definition, it's two weeks or more of continuous um, like not not having interest in doing things that you normally enjoyed like if you're normally someone who goes fishing and you just don't feel like it and you just don't have you know the energy for it that can be a sign of depression and that with other things um, like having a poor appetite little energy um, obviously feeling down depressed or hopeless it doesn't have to be um, crying all the time it can just be kind of apathy or just little interest in living your life so you're just not your regular happy camper. Exactly. And not doing the things that you normally do that bring you joy. 
Yes, exactly. And even some some symptoms can be like ha having trouble concentrating as well. That's something that some people don't realize can be a symptom of depression or a sign of depression. And what's what's depression like for most people? I mean, I can't imagine that this, you know, this definition would happen to a lot of people uh, a couple, four times a year. Yeah, yeah. So a, a big part of this is when you get this episode that doesn't go away after about two weeks. So two weeks. that's that's the biggest thing. So we all have these circumstances, you know, and I'm sure COVID has brought a lot of that for people yes. where you have these instances, you're isolated and your life is not normal. Um, and you can have those episodes, especially, um, you know, if during certain times of year, it can be a struggle mm -hmm. for people. So mm -hmm. I think that the big thing to watch out for is when it doesn't go away. Okay. So the fact that I was depressed uh, lifting weights at the gym after <laughs> being gone for a year, that doesn't count. Not if it didn't last more than two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Just momentarily yeah. uh, terrible. So two weeks. And I would think, like you say, a lot of people have gone through this this last year because they've had so many yeah. absence of good stuff. Exactly. There has been an increase of depression over the past year. So I think this is a good timely topic of something to, to discuss. So inform us. Okay. So let's get started. There's um, five things I brought to talk to you today about. And the first thing that we, the first thing I want to mention is, you know, this is a talk about lifestyle therapies, but medication is always an option too. It just doesn't always work for everybody. And sometimes people don't necessarily want to try it. So for the people who want to add something to their medication, you know, these can be done at the same time as medication very safely. And um, so I don't want to say that medication isn't a good option, but these are just other things that can be done. Well, I think that it's always better to do things other than take pills if you can. Yes. And I think that a lot of people don't have very good lifestyles, period. So I think this is a good thing to do regardless of whether you're feeling depressed or not. Yeah, that's actually a good introduction into our first item, which is physical activity. So there, uh, I have a lot of research that has that I've looked up, I've, I have collected here. I won't go into it too deeply, but one of the first things about physical activity I wanted to mention is that it actually has a protective effect against depression. So if you are currently not suffering from depression, you can actually protect yourself in the future from getting depression by having a regular physical activity that you do in your life. So um, based on the research, 150 minutes a week is enough to protect you. That's only like 20 to 25 minutes a day, um, which really is not a lot, um, you know, considering. Yeah, and I, I, you bring that up. I beg people in the clinic all the time, please go for a 15 or 20 minute walk a day for their diabetic control, a better heart, you know, weight, just anything. And I'm surprised um, how wedded we are to television and the couch. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is that now there are programs and apps that you can actually, you know, be in your living room oh, and mm -hmm. still get that. Does a yoga class in her home watching something on the web yeah uh, a lot of times i walk on my treadmill while i'm watching a tv show <laughs> oh Luato used to do that <laughs> yeah. okay so um a lot of one tip that i gave um a lot of people that i worked with was actually if you're trying to get just 20 minutes just set your timer for 10 minutes uh, go for a walk 10 minutes out and then you've got 10 minutes back 
right? Easy way and, to get your 20 minutes. And do you have to do that every day or can I go to the gym three times a week and do 40 minutes? So you can split that up however you'd like. It's just 150 minutes a week you could do. I wouldn't recommend trying to do it all in one day, but okay. you know, splitting it over several days is, is a very um, convenient way to do that. Then you don't have to do it every day. What fascinated me, if you look at your basic metabolic rate, how many calories you're burning up an hour, it was fascinating to me if you go and exercise for 30 minutes and then stop, your BMI is increased for like an hour and a half after that. So just to have a smile on your face, you're burning up more calories for an hour and a half when you're not doing anything just because you got your 30 minutes of exercise in. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to mention when it comes to depression, usually it takes about seven to 10 days of this exercise for you to see that antidepressive effect. So I don't want someone to feel bad if they're doing their first episode of exercise and they don't feel great immediately. That's okay. Um, and what is the, is there a difference between being outside or inside? So that actually leads us into one of our other category light therapy for depression it's not maybe the most well-known but it actually has a lot of research on it um, that getting access to bright light especially in the morning um, usually within 30 minutes of awakening can help with depressive symptoms especially if you're a person who experiences seasonal depression mm -hmm. or if you have a lot of fatigue or you eat or sleep too much with your depression um, those symptoms in particular are helped a lot by having bright light therapy. And that can be going outside or using a device. So the early bird catches the worm. So the people that do get yes. up and yeah, it really see does the have a benefit. morning light at 7 a.m., like Zora and Cass, that's a good thing for your depression. Yeah, and, and then there actually was some research that adults and children who lived near green spaces and had that open... Um, outdoor exposure actually had fewer instances of depression. So doing your, Ryan will like hearing this, doing your 15-minute walk in the mornings. So you're getting a 15-minute walk in, you're seeing the green space, and you're in the sunlight. Yeah, you're killing two birds with one stone there. Okay. So bright light, tell us, you said that it doesn't have to be natural light. What yeah, is light? so there are actually some devices. I'm not familiar with everything that's available. I know that I've used one by Philips. I don't even know if they still make it, but it's one that I own. Um, I used to live in Michigan where winters are gray for months, months at a time. Yeah, and it's very helpful for overcoming seasonal depression, and it really helps with those energy levels that kind of sink during those months. And how do you use that? So I would refer to the directions that are provided um, with the specific light because some of them may have different amounts of time that you use it and have different instructions. But typically within 30 minutes of getting uh, waking up, you would sit in front of this device. You don't have to stare at it. You can be reading a book, um, doing your makeup. You know, you can be doing something else so it doesn't have to take up exact amount of time um, specific for that. But you can be... Um, you know, doing something else while this light shines on you, kind of like indirect light from the sun outside. But it's a specific UV pattern. It is, yeah, it's, it's a, a certain nanometer. Yeah, face. a certain nanometer of light that would be the most beneficial. And I know there's ones that they've done research on, so I would recommend one that's had research associated with it, so that you know you're getting the best bang. So that's that. your morning light when you live exactly yeah. in the dark. Yes. My brother lives in Alaska. I wonder if they do something like that. So that's light therapy. Okay. So um, kind of uh, as a segue into that, the, the bright light actually helps 
um, to start regulate your regulating your hormones. You know, we need melatonin oh, really? at night, help us sleep more soundly, and actually can get us on that rhythm. Um, so the next kind of segment that we I'd like to talk about regarding depression is sleep. Okay. Before you go to sleep, tell me what sad means. So that is seasonal affective disorder. So usually that's depression that appears usually for people that's during the winter months it's when you know you don't have access to that bright light you're not going outside as much the days are shorter um so you get that and you're fine during the summer but you're i mean is this a certain port of, portion of the population that's predisposed to this or does everybody get sad yeah i i think that not everyone gets this definitely there are people who are more predisposed to that um generally it's people who live in areas that are more um, cloudy and dark during the winter um, okay. you know a lot of people we've had a lot of people that I've worked with who came from like Norway and Sweden mm -hmm. where they get very little light mm -hmm. um, during their winter months and they have yeah they much, they, more, much more seasonal depression okay next topic okay so sleep so some things that would indicate that you have are having trouble with sleep um, would be regular insomnia that one's pretty obvious to most people but if you're actually regularly sleeping more than about nine or ten hours or regularly sleeping less than six um, mm -hmm. that can be an indication that you have an issue with sleep um, also shift work can be a big cause a big problem with your sleep patterns I know about this yes <laughs> So in general, not having regular hours for sleeping and eating, and, and sometimes this is pointing you know, at residency training saying there's, there could be some sleep issues coming up, but um, yeah, not having those regular hours for sleeping can, can wreak havoc. Yes, well after 30 years of night shifts and <laughs> eating in seven minutes in the cafeteria, this is probably why I have troubles with insomnia. Yeah, yeah, that's one. <laughs> definitely familiar to you so you said six to nine hours is that what the large majority of people yeah that's on average you know there's always going to be differences especially um, teenagers they need more sleep they're going to probably be regularly sleeping closer to 10 hours or more hmm. um, as they're growing as they're developing that's not really abnormal if if you're not seeing these other signs and symptoms and with the sleep is it is it getting to sleep or staying asleep or waking up too early or or is there a difference between those things so they can indicate different things um, but kind of all of the above you can you some people will have trouble falling asleep and that can be an indication that you're having trouble with depression um, also early morning awakening where you're waking up at maybe three or four when you wanted to get up at six or seven and not being able to fall back asleep and you want to discuss the natural melatonin tryptophan everybody has these different over-the-counter things that uh, that I, I don't consider true medications but I guess they are yeah a lot of people try melatonin for sleep it can be effective for some I think one thing to point out for melatonin is it's it doesn't make you sleepy so some people think that it makes you sleepy but it actually does help you sleep deeper but will not make you sleepy so that's why when I take it I just think it's useless because I still don't go to sleep yes probably that's the case but it makes me sleep better yes once you I go should to sleep. you should sleep deeper um, but it probably will not make you sleepy and tell me about the REM uh, Roger was telling me it, it's all about your dream states when you're doing REM in the morning or 
Yeah, so that's kind of your cycle of sleep when you're getting rapid eye movement, REM. And rapid eye movement is just a stage of sleep. You kind of sleep in cycles, and the rapid eye movement is one of the, one of the I guess, stages of that cycle that you go through during sleep. Okay. So, and it's also not good to have three or four drinks before you try to go to bed, huh? I wouldn't recommend it. There's something that I would recommend Googling or searching on the internet, and that's called sleep hygiene. Oh. Um, I don't have a lot to talk about it today. I don't know if we have time, but if we do, we can go into that. Mm -hmm. um, but good sleep hygiene is very important for getting very good sleep. That would be sleeping in like a cool, dark place if you can, not having light on you. Um, avoiding alcoholic drinks before sleep because that can really disrupt your sleep um, disrupt your amount of time and also your quality of sleep and then another thing um, I would mention that I think is becoming more well known is not using your phone right before bed or having exposure to actually is that blue light from your phone which we talked about earlier having that exposure to light in the morning is good but having exposure to that light before bed can throw things off Amber told me also that uh, watching a lot of, uh, I think we have time for sleep hygiene, mm -hmm. um, that I was surprised she says that um, watching TV is the same sort of thing, that, that if you're watching TV right before you go to bed, your brain is lit up more or something. Yeah, I think there might be more than one aspect of that, but one is actually getting that exposure of blue light from your device that you're watching from. So that can actually kind of trick your body into thinking that it's morning <clears throat> and then you don't start producing the hormones that you need to get quality sleep. So that's why the dark room, reading a good book, exactly. that sort of thing. Those are better for quiet place quality sleep. Yeah, good. and I would say also that a lot of, I think a lot of people have recognized this and there are actually apps and um, filters that you can put over your phone and your screen. If you have to do work at night, there are ways around that to help yourself. And even blue light filtering glasses that you can wear. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. Doesn't sound like no, I, I have a good reason why I don't sleep since I'm not doing any of this good stuff. <laughs> um, any um, anything you know? There's all these things about different pillows and mattresses and that sort of thing. Is is it really more of these other things than what you're sleeping on? I think that, you know, having a comfortable place to sleep can be very important. Um, if you don't have a comfortable place to sleep, that can disrupt your sleep. Um, but probably the, the fluctuation of your hormones when it comes to having a regular rhythm and not having that exposure to blue light would affect at least just as much, I would say. I don't know how they compare head to head, mm -hmm. but... Um, yeah, having it can be part of good sleep hygiene to make sure that you have you you find yourself comfortable at night and, and going to sleep at about the same time every night. Yeah, that's important. It kind of helps set that rhythm. Your body likes rhythm. It really likes consistency. So, the more you can give your body that rhythm and consistency, the happier it will be and the better it will perform for you. And the more you exercise, the better you feel. Yeah, that that's true. You, by exercising, um, you actually get benefits. In addition to all the benefits we already talked about, you know, your general health and depression, you actually sleep better as well. Yeah, I notice if I exercise, I sleep better. Yeah, I, I want to say one other thing as well, and that's um, for people who have obstructive sleep apnea, that can be a big contributor when it comes to sleep and depression. Not having that treated, um, just getting that treated actually can be a 
big step towards recovery from depression in someone who has untreated sleep apnea. So we should talk about the sleep apnea when you finish this, because okay. I think that's an important thing that a lot of people have that they're not aware of. Yeah, so um, we can we can go into that now. Okay. So um, sleep apnea, for those who are not familiar, is... is um, something that happens during the night when you stop breathing during during the night so some indicators of this if you're sleeping with a partner in your bed they may tell you that you stop they you notice you stop breathing during the night um snoring can be an indicator that you might have sleep apnea if you have these things plus daytime fatigue um, it might be something to talk to your doctor about, and then you can get a study done to tell you if, if that's the case or not. And there's a home study done for this also. I have a friend, Barry, um, I guess I won't use his name, um, who swore they didn't have sleep apnea. Uh, usually this is you know short-necked people that are overweight, but it's not necessarily true by any means. But uh, the larger you are, the more common this is. But um, so his wife videotaped him one night with her with her phone, and he agreed that okay, well, it sounds like I'm not breathing there, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And now there there's and so now he takes a BiPAP machine at night, which takes a little getting used to, but is very helpful to him. And there's a home way of doing this now. It used to you had to go to the hospital and sleep for a couple of nights in the hospital, but I think that there's a outfit locally that'll do a. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not familiar yet for what's available in this area. I know where I came from, there was, you know, they'd put a little device on your finger to measure your oxygen. You'd have a little something you have to wear in front of your nose. And you just take that home and sleep in your own bed, which is great because you're getting actually sleep more similar to what you would be every night instead right. of going in and sleeping in a facility. And really, um, the snoring, not breathing, daytime fatigue, um, I'm surprised how many people have this once they get tested. Yeah, and actually headaches too is a big symptom of that. That's pretty common for people who have sleep apnea. They get headaches during the day. Yeah, so um, the next thing that we can talk about that's a big part of a lifestyle therapy for depression is nutrition. So um, I think that a lot of us could do better with our nutrition, but there are certain things in particular that can really aid in helping people overcome depression. Uh, the first thing that I would like to mention is antioxidants, just getting antioxidants in the diet. So um, I'm a big advocate of a, a whole food plant-based diet. So um, I would say the best way to do that is get more fruits and vegetables in your diet, more plant-based things that are not processed. It is amazing. I, I read some article that 70% of the food we eat are pro is processed. Yeah, isn't it's that something amazing? It, it's incredible. Yeah, if we can move towards getting those whole plant f foods, then we will have much more, much better health in general. But in actually, we can we can get those benefits that help for depression as well. Yeah, um, Cass just started drinking celery juice. Okay in the morning because her friend Allison does it. And I was shocked how much celery she put in this blender and then got herself a little, you know, jar of celery juice yeah. that she drinks before her coffee. Yeah, it's so not for everyone, was... but I love it. You do it? Yeah, I, do, I do it. I don't do it regularly, but I do like the taste of it. But okay. you don't have to like celery. It's it's pretty okay. strong celery taste. But but I'll tell you that, that uh, one of the reasons I'm going to bring up this whole food plant-based diet you know my age i don't really care i mean it doesn't i mean 
it's not going to affect me that much. I'm already old. But for little kids, I think the toxins, the chemicals, the stuff you have no idea about is going into your little kids, boys and girls' bodies, and you don't know what is going to be trapped in their fat cells for forever. I'm a big believer in organic foods for little kids. Yeah, and I would say that I might disagree with you that your age you can change things but um i would say that you know let me mention some research that makes me believe this so um people who have depression tend to have higher cholesterol and triglycerides than people who don't Mm -hmm. and that usually tends to be people in our older population that's not usually children Mm -hmm. so this research showed that um, people who lowered their cholesterol actually had better response to antidepressant medication. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. So you can actually um, improve your mood with medication by lowering your cholesterol, but actually by lowering your cholesterol, you get mood and depression relief um, just from lowering your cholesterol. And and what I was talking about, I'm too old. I'm not talking about the depression talk. I think there is a Mm -hmm. lot of good things about depression. I was talking more about you know, cancer, different autoimmune diseases, uh, diseases in general, I think, um, are important that little kids avoid a lot of this. Yeah, toxicity. and I think that people who, you know, were have younger, maybe 50 years ago or, or something like that, they weren't eating as much packaged foods as the kids now. So you didn't have that same buildup maybe of fat, you know, the accumulation of toxins in your fat cells that kids nowadays would have. Yeah, and you see a lot more um, non-insulin-dependent diabetes in children now Mm -hmm. than you used to. And that has a lot to do with exercise and nutrition. Yeah. So um, some of the big players that I want to mention for antioxidants, Mm -hmm. vitamin A um, is a big one and very helpful in kind of refreshing your body. Mm-hmm. You can get that a lot in orange and yellow fruits and vegetables, you know, carrots, oranges. You can think based mm-hmm. on color. Getting a variety of color oh. is really important because you get benefits that, that probably we don't even know about from eating a variety of color. But vitamin A, in your, you can kind of think of your yellow, orange, the fruits and vegetables. I eat lots of blueberries. Oh, berries are very good for you, very high in antioxidants. Um, it is fascinating that most people, when they're depressed... Um, I'm going to ask you, um, when you're depressed, it's difficult to initiate something like this. Yes, it is. And How, how and would you give them tips on what to do first or how to get started? Or So the first you know. thing I want to say about that is that you can kind of start wherever you are. You do not have to do all of these things at once. Um, you can start slowly, like just add one thing or one piece of one of these things and start slowly. And as you start to feel better, you can kind of gain momentum in that. Um, another thing that you can do is really speak to your doctor early about your depression. If you recognize it in yourself, talk to your doctor, even if you're not interested in starting medication yet, it's good to mention that early so that they're aware and you guys can build a plan together and they can kind of help hold you accountable. And I also think that the earlier talk to somebody, the easier it is to get out of this. Yeah. I think the longer depression goes on, the harder it is to Yeah, I would agree. get to things. Um, okay, sleep hygiene, eat eat colorful foods. Yeah, I think the last thing I want to mention about nutrition is something that maybe a lot of us have heard of about, and that's omega-3. 
Mm -hmm. um, having sufficient omega-3 in your diet. Um, it's a type of fat and our cells are, cell walls are made of fat. We need good healthy fats in our diet to mm -hmm. build good healthy cells. And having enough omega-3 is very helpful for depression. Fascinating. Yeah, so you can take that in a supplement form. The research that was done was using one gram of a particular type of omega-3 called EPA. Mm -hmm. um, and that generally comes from the sea, like sea vegetables, um, fish. But I would say my caveat for fish is be careful that you're not getting the toxins associated with that. You don't want the mercury and the other pesticides. So be careful where you source your fish if that's where you're getting it. And when you say sea vegetables, are you mm -hmm. eating kelp? Or you can. Um, or seaweed or what? Yeah, kelp and seaweed. Those are good sea vegetables. And also you can take supplements that they use um, the seaweed to make the supplement if you're having a harder time getting that. Okay, I like I like the seaweed, the Japanese seaweed when mm -hmm. I go to Oko time. What, um, what do you think about the regular, I mean, I think my wife has bought me omega-3 and antioxidant tablets and I mm -hmm. guess I should, you know, take them. Um, are you happy with most of the supplements that you buy or is there certain types that you would look for? Um, I try to look for ones that have research behind them. That's generally what I'm looking for. The more that I can do to eat those things though, instead right. of take a supplement, I try to err on the side. But if you're busy and, you're, and you know you're not gonna do it, then, then start with a supplement. It's just easier. It's okay to start that way or to have that as something to fall back on if you just don't have time to get in your diet. Well, you talked a lot about omega-3, but I'm having trouble seeing myself eat seaweed every meal. So, so the, what, yeah, yeah, they're what definitely... Do, what do you do? So I have a supplement that I like that is a... Um, it's a vegetarian or ve vegan-based supplement made from seaweed. So fish are a good source of omega-3, but fish eat seaweed, and that's how they get there. So um, <laughs> if we go to the source, we can get it ourselves that way. So I take a supplement that is based, I think it's algae-based, um, mm -hmm. and that's how I know that I get kind of a baseline amount. And then there are other things in my diet, um, seeds like flax seeds and chia seeds. Those are actually very high oh, in omega-3, okay. actually hemp seeds as well. Okay. Yeah, those are three okay. things you can add to your diet, you know, maybe a tablespoon of that on your salad or mixed into a smoothie, easy way to get omega-3. Okay, what would you, all, what would you like to uh, continue with before we take questions? Yeah, so the last thing I wanna end with is probably one of the most important is yeah. that is our thoughts and um, oh, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's. I think you are what you think. Yes, definitely. And I think that um, this is probably the one that I've seen people struggle with the most, but also that has the most impact on recovering from depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So, one thing I would like to mention is that if you're looking into what can I do to change my thoughts, or what's wrong with my thoughts, or where do I even start with this? I would say the the area that I know the most about and that's been the most researched for depression is called CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. So that's taking a look at your thoughts and behaviors and kind of looking at how does that make you feel and act. So one part of CBT is getting familiar with cognitive distortions. Define that. Yeah, so an easy way to think of cognitive, cognitive distortions is like habits of thinking that may not be exactly accurate. So I will give you an example of this. So say that, you know, 
I'm annoyed with my husband because he didn't take out the trash today. And I may think to myself, he always forgets to take out the trash. And then if I want to uh, assess my thought for accuracy, I would have to take a look at that word always. That is a big indicator that your thought might not be accurate. So using those always and never, you really have to watch out for that. And you would then, in cognitive behavioral therapy, take that thought and try to change it to more accurate. Like, my husband didn't take out the trash today, but, you know, or frequently he forgets, but, you know, it's not always. Also the word never. Yes. People, I'm, I'm surprised how many people um, will have a difficult situation, but they won't see, well, there's this very good path over here. Mm -hmm. If you would just get off, you know, your tail and, and if you're tired of this path, well, then why don't you try something good or more healthy? Yeah, I think that some of the things um, to watch out for in cognitive distortions, the words always and never, must and should are big words must too. Must and should. Yeah. I think I, I've had lots of problems with those. Yeah, yeah, it tends to kind of align with people who tend to have more pe uh, perfectionistic personalities. You know, it must be this way. It should have gone better. You know, those kinds of things, thinking that can be detrimental. And I think that just overall having a pessimistic outlook on life also is associated with depression, which I think doesn't surprise many of us, but really watching out for these distortions can have a huge impact on how we think and how we feel. Also, I'm, you know, when I was young, I, I thought if you went to therapy, you were crazy. But my daughter has a PhD in psychology. And it is amazing to me also, that if you have uh, she talks about having a community that if you can talk to your best friend, if you can be out socially doing something for somebody else or seeing a therapist to discuss these recurrent problems that will help you work through them to get to the better path. Um, I think the CBD, CBT and just psychotherapy because I think the tapes run around in your head so much. Yeah, those, it's hard to get those off the tape. Uh, recurrent thoughts can be a huge issue. Those kind of repetitive, you know, you think about something that happened to you or something that you did or something that didn't go right, and it kind of, you ruminate. And that ruminating can really get you into trouble. And I think therapy is a great way to address those thoughts. And there are actually therapists who specialize in CBT. Um, and I would say that's a great place to start if you need some external help. There are also lots of books that you can read if you want to start, you know, on your own and get familiar. Um, I can mention a couple that I know of off the top of my head, but I know there are tons available. So there's one that I have read called SOS Help for Emotions that mm -hmm. you can read through. I think they have it for children as well. Mm -hmm. um, they do have some CBT workbooks for children, which are great things to teach them starting off. So they learn these mm -hmm. techniques and kind of avoid, yeah, avoid those patterns of thinking all the way into adulthood. So why don't you give us a summary of the five or six things you should do if you want lifestyle intervention? for? Depression. Yeah, so the five things we talked about today, physical activity, sleep, bright light, nutrition, and thoughts. Those are the areas that really can make a big impact. And one thing I would say that... Um, I know some people suffering depression feel like they've tried everything. And I think that when we take a look at the things that we've looked at today and how much there is out there, I would say, even if you feel like you've tried everything, there's always more to try. There's a lot of interventions that, you know, are up and coming and 
you know, in addition to the ones we've talked about today, we could probably spend an hour on each one of those things alone. But yeah, there's always more out there. So don't feel like you've tried everything. Okay. Dr. Bowler, um, the, uh, Dr. Jill Bowler is a new family medicine resident. Uh, you can get an appointment to see her if you wish at 463-7495-463-7495 at the residency program here in Ukiah. We're going to start taking questions from the audience now, 895-2554. Eddie's ready for you if there's any calls. That number would be 895-2448. Oh, 2448. You think I've done this long enough, I would know that. 895-2448. Um, so give us a call, and I was going to ask her uh, uh, to give us, um, Dr. Jill Buller, well, give us a, um, an example of a couple of patients. So you're in the clinic, and who do you see um, that comes in? You know, I've all, I always think of stressed out moms. Yeah, so definitely stressed out moms and postpartum depression is a big um, area where you see depression. But I would say um, depression doesn't discriminate. It can affect anyone at any time. So sometimes it's just, you know, like someone who maybe had like an adverse event, but it was, you know, one or two years ago, and they just seem to like not be able to get over that hump of these negative feelings. So it can be associated with, you know, the death in a family or some or something some event that caused them to be start being down, but then they just couldn't pull themselves out of that. Okay, so I'm going to mm -hmm. say okay, so I have a 36-year-old woman that comes to your office saying that she's uh, upset or she's not sleeping well. Yeah. Cuz most people won't say depression. They'll come in and say I have insomnia. Yeah. I'm having insomnia and you're start questioning her and it finds out that she lost a relative a year yeah, ago. Yeah. Now, what are you going to say to her? So, one thing I would start with, <clears throat> excuse me, is um, for that particular situation, I think therapy is very helpful. Um, there's a lot of thoughts and a lot of, you know, regrets that can happen um, with the loss of someone or feelings of missed opportunity, which is understandable. All these feelings are very understandable, very normal. Um, but when you're getting into those, you know, recurrent thoughts, ruminating on those situations, therapy is incredibly helpful um, to kind of pull you out of those thoughts. And then also we would talk about good sleep hygiene. That's a big, big part of that. And it may not work right away. So I would definitely encourage someone starting these therapies to give it time to work. Even when you take a medication, you want to, it takes about six weeks to become effective. So... Um, I would say, you know, a lot of these lifestyle therapies can work faster than that, but um, to give it time, give it weeks. Um, on a local topic, I'm surprised how many people smoke marijuana at night, quote unquote, to help them with their anxiety. If you're, maybe you're not associated with that much. In, I, you know, I'm out. not very familiar with that. I hope to become more knowledgeable in that area. Mm -hmm. I just don't feel knowledgeable enough to comment on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't either, um, um, because it's still a substance. But mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. Um, and valerian, this uh, mm -hmm. plant from the Pacific. Yeah, people. I have heard of that. That that's a helpful relaxant. I don't know if you've ever smelled it. It smells terrible. Oh really? Yes. Um, yeah. But it actually is a powerful relaxant. I would say, um, 
I would say to be cautious against self-medicating with marijuana, valerian, melatonin even. You want to be cautious when, you come, when it comes to that. Do your research. Um, try to look for quality research. Um, but, you know, using things that have been researched, I would start there um, over self-medicating with other substances. things. Yeah. Melatonin. Somebody told me, oh, you're only supposed to take one or two milligrams, not five or ten. So even even with melatonin, mm-hmm. there's a... Yeah, I think you have to be careful. Even though, you know, it's natural, it's naturally occurring, mm-hmm. um, but there's still some caution to be exercised with that. Okay. So younger person comes in and they're depressed about a so-and-so. So um, one thing I've seen in internal medicine a lot is loss of a spouse when you're yeah. an older person. Mm-hmm. So... Um, okay, so I'm 70 years old and come in and I've had a loss of my spouse and nothing's right anymore. Yeah. I'm not sleeping well. I'm not eating well. I don't go out. Yeah. What are, what are you going to say to me? So some of those things kind of just tend to happen naturally over a, while you're aging. You know, sometimes you don't sleep as well. Um, you're kind of losing social connections. Um, either because they've passed away or, you know, people just have busy lives or you can't get out as much, you're physically limited, something like that. So for someone like that, you know, starting some of these things is great. There may be some limitations, like maybe someone who can't walk as well. They can start, you know, with small exercises at home. And I would still want to build a routine around these elements that would build a healthy life but also encourage them to get their social connection. That's a huge part of, you know, being connected is very important. You sound like my daughter, the (laughs) psychologist. And I'd like to take a moment to tell people that I think that, you know, the sense of community that, you know, I had working in the emergency room for 30 years, you wouldn't think that, you know, the ER would give you a sense of community. But, um, you know, the social connections with all the the staff, the nurses, the doctors, it was always a, you know, if I was having difficult times, I always knew that there were friends that I could talk to. And I don't know, you know, I think um, churches do that for a sense of community. Volunteering for an organization helps that, you know, your aspect of community. And I would argue that everybody should be, you know, reading books to children. At uh, Ukiah Unified has a... Um, program where adults can go read to children but i think that uh, giving to the community and being part of the community from some you know whatever social group that interests you surfers united um you know it's it's a very helpful thing for for the community and for your own mental health yeah i think that when it comes to social connection you can get creative it doesn't mean you know your immediate family can be your chosen family and that might be you know a hobby group um church like you mentioned maybe like a sports club people at the gym it it definitely doesn't have to be just your immediate family it's just being connected with people who you enjoy being around yeah i had a fun time interacting with danny for five or ten minutes at the gym yesterday and that was part of my community i'm going to say one other thing that i thought was fascinating if you look at children that make something out of their lives you know, doesn't matter if they're from Hell's Kitchen or from Hollywood. This paper that Ned Walsh gave me says that there's two things that children need to become productive adults, you know, sort of thing. And it's one is having a mentor. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was positive things to do. Yeah. And if you have those two things, it really makes a big difference. And that was one of the reasons we worked so hard getting the Boys and Girls Club 
going. Because yeah. you have all those kids that you're, you know, have as friends. Yeah, that's excellent. Excellent way of being connected. And when you're older, being that mentor can really give a lot back to you as right. much as you're giving to the younger person as well. And the mentor to the kid didn't have to be the uncle or, you know, the priest. It was, you could be the next door neighbor or mm -hmm. the guy down the street or something. Yeah, and I, I think... all needed to have a mentor. Yeah, I think sometimes we feel like we might need to have it all together to be a mentor, but that's not the case. They just like having someone there, having some of, someone they can talk to, someone who's experienced a little more life than them, and that can be really helpful. Yeah, you don't have to have a you don't have to be an Eagle Scout to be a mentor. All right. We're talking to Dr. Jill Buller um, about lifestyle intervention for depression. And you can call us at eight nine five two four four eight. That's right, eight nine five two four four eight. And if you want an appointment to see her, you could call four six three seven four nine five. All right, Eddie, you're on. I was told you had to ask a question. All right. I have a, uh, I guess, an adjunct question to yeah. nutrition. I know for a lot of folks struggling with depression, at least a lot of the folks I know, mm -hmm. um, having the resources to purchase properly nutritious food, I understand, may not be impossible, but I know for a lot of people they find it hard. So I was wondering if you had any resources as far as guides as to things you can look for that can quick or um, with a relative affordability boost your nutritional diet. Yeah. So I think that... Um, some of the stuff in the area that I have learned about the um, the farmers markets that you guys have, those are a big asset. And I know that if you're struggling financially, there actually are programs that are meant to help with that, with the um, in connection with the um, farmers markets. So that's that's a big asset. I think also. It doesn't have to be like the most fancy food. You can go with, um, you know, something more simple like apples or berries or whatever is on sale. A lot of times that's how I plan my meals is just around whatever fruit or vegetable is the most affordable. So I kind of stick with some basics. Like personally, when I'm really busy, one of my favorite things is frozen broccoli. It is so quick, so easy, and a bag costs a dollar. So it's probably one of the easiest ways to get a really good, green, nutritious vegetable, and then you can eat it with whatever you have prepared, but having a big bowl of broccoli to add to it is very affordable, very easy, and I like it with some barbecue sauce or ranch. It's, it's pretty tasty. Okay, we have a call. Caller, you're on the air. Hello? Can you hear Hello? us? Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Yes. Go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. I wanted to ask you two things. One, um, about the full moon, if that's oh. folklore or reality. And number two, uh, it's an observation. Uh, melatonin, I think, is very dangerous because, uh, let's say you're asleep and there's an emergency and you have to get up and go. Huh. You may not be able to get up and go. Huh. Okay, two good questions. We'll see what she says. Yeah, so I would say regarding the full moon, I don't have very much data on that, so I, I'm not sure that I'm the best person to answer that question. I know that there are kind of folklore in the ED that you have things that happen more on full moon. I don't know um, if there's been any research on how that affects mood. So um, I could take a look at that. That would be interesting, but I haven't seen any research come out on that. Um, and regarding melatonin, I would say that your point is definitely something to consider. Um, having melatonin 
on board can, well, like we discussed, it doesn't make you more sleepy, but it can make you sleep more deeply. Um, and I think, you know, in a case of an emergency, it's important to be able to wake up. Um, so I think being cautious about how much you take is important, but actually getting good deep sleep, if you need to be woken up from that, um, hopefully you have the the resources in your house, you know, for emergency, if you're getting a phone call or if your fire alarm is going off, hopefully you're able to still hear that even through your deep sleep, um, but then you're prepared to move forward. But I would say, yes, what you said to be cautious is important. I want to go back to the farmer's markets. You know, I'm amazed that they have farmer's markets in Laytonville, Ukiah, Redwood Valley, on the coast. And what you're talking about is EBT cards. Yes. And I know as when I was at public health, particularly women and children, yeah. you can go to public health and get lots and lots of EBT cards. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that at Rayleigh's yesterday, I was there, and they had uh, a little fruit stand for kids. So the kids oh, that are shopping can grab a banana if they wanted to. And I think that there's, uh, at the farmer's markets, they have uh, kid foods as well. Okay, we have another call. Uh, Caller, you're on the air. Oh, hi. Hi. Um, uh, Dr. Bowler, um, you've talked about, uh, you know, researching these different things, getting good research. Mm -hmm. And usually when you're depressed, you really don't have energy for for that. That is correct. Unless, yeah. unless I'm wrong. So no. you know, so when you say, you know, get something and, and research it, um, <laughs> anyway, that's all I wanted to say. So thank you. You have some really good suggestions and stuff. So thank, thank you. you very much. Yeah, okay. so you brought up an excellent point. Um, when you are having um, an episode of depression or when you're feeling depressed, it is incredibly difficult to pull yourself through these things. So hopefully by discussing them here, it kind of give you, uh, can give you a starting point. And then hopefully also if you're listening to this and you're not depressed, it can help you to reach out to maybe friends or family who are experiencing those because it is hard to get started. It is hard to, you know, get yourself to do some of these things. Um, when it comes to research, I think um, there's a lot of research that's already been done. So um, if you want to um, contact your doctor, you can talk to them about some of these things. They should be knowledgeable in a lot of these elements. Um, and a lot of the research has already been done for you. So you can maybe just do a little bit of Googling and hopefully get yourself connected with um, resources. But you're right, that is difficult. Okay, we have another call. Caller, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. That question about melatonin, um, what research has the doctor actually studied on this to show that people are unable to come out of a deeper sleep and deal with a sudden emergency. I'd like okay. to know what the actual right. research shows, and Thank I'll you. hang up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your question. So to my knowledge, there's not specific research on um, waking up during an emergency with deep sleep, only that melatonin helps you to sleep deeper. So if you're accustomed to sleeping deep and you get a phone call during the night, um, you will most likely still be able to respond to that emergency. You will still be able to come out of that deep sleep. So it is not like a regular sleeping medication where you're unable to wake up. 
So uh, it's not a huge risk, but it, it can be something to consider. I think the risk more comes with taking too high a dose and that affecting your regular hormone levels. Well, I'm going to throw out one caveat is um, Ambien. Don't take Ambien. Oh, my God, I took Ambien. I was out of my mind. I was eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the middle of the night and not re remembering it except the plate was next to my bed in the morning. People drive cars. Yeah. I think that's one, one thing I would avoid. I'm going to end the show by asking you to take a, you know, everybody's heard the show now. This is what we want you to do, a starting point on each of the, like, for physical activity. Get up in the mornings and take a 15-minute walk for physical activity. Um, so tell us a, a takeaway point from each of these five aspects. Yeah, so I think what you started with is great. Um, you know, you can aim for 20 minutes. If that doesn't work, do 10. Um, just start somewhere with exercise. So I think wherever you're at, whatever level you're at, if you're not able to walk, that's not a problem. You can, you know, maybe use your arms and do a bit of weightlifting. That's excellent too. So just basically with exercise, start where you are and do something and okay. then try to build up to that 20 to 25 minutes a day or yeah. however you want to divide that. And then um, for bright light, which we discussed, Get a little bit of outdoor time in the morning when there's bright light out, if you're able. If not, you may want to look into a device, but you don't need to. So just getting outside for 10 minutes, 20 minutes in the morning, um, maybe you can do your physical activity outside. That would kind of kill two birds with one stone. Um, for nutrition, eating a variety of colors, getting those plants in whole plant foods, staying away from process as much as possible. Um, for sleep, um, aiming for somewhere between six to nine hours and sleeping in a cool, dark place, um, looking up sleep hygiene. And read a book before you go to sleep and don't drink. Yeah, stay away from those blue lights to devices. Stay away from those okay. devices before. And then the last thing is your thoughts. And I would say um, there are lots of good places to start with that. It can be hard to do by yourself, so I would recommend a book or therapy as a great starting point. The easiest thing is just... You know, you can go on Amazon and look up CBT. There are tons of resources for that. And talk to a friend. I think going for a walk, talking to a friend, and getting a different viewpoint of life because I think people get stuck in... Yeah, and even pointing out to your friend, you know, I'm looking for things in my thinking that might not be accurate. Can you help me? Is a great place to start. So getting that outside perspective is very helpful. So this has been Dr. Jill Buller. 463-7495. She's a new resident in Ukiah um, at the excellent residency program uh, that started here, and Eddie's been running the board. Thank you very much. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willitson Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening. <laughs>